You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 33, season two of Red Wings Rant. We're tirades and impassioned pleas about your Detroit Red Wings finally have a home. Uh, today we're going to be talking uh, how, how to properly utilize cap space for a team that's going to have $45 million. I'll tell you how, Matt. Right. With medieval uh, creatures like the ghost bear. Uh, we're not, we'll get into it. Uh, we also take a look at some recent trade rumors. And uh, Mike, is every NHL player supposed to be a 200-foot player? So, popular conversation today on Twitter. We'll get into all that, but before we do, we've got some business to get into. Yes, we do, Matt. Nothing more interesting than business to open up a show for five minutes. Matt, we're going to sprint through this one. It's 68 seconds. One second for every team. Here we go. 68 teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. We're talking about college basketball. And they want us to reference a compelling storyline. Man, this tournament is trash. Man, Michigan is out. Who cares? Uh, but maybe you can still win some money on it, right? Maybe the rooting interest is gone, but you win some money. So, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's true. I looked it up right now. It's true. This morning, new customers are inside of the action. Old customers. Old hat. Nobody cares. New ones. Step right up. Bet $1 at any tournament again. If your team wins, you win $100. Well, that's pretty simple. I bet a dollar and get 100 Doesn't even matter if I win. Fine print. Oh, we do have to win. Ah, okay. So turn your $1 to $100. It's 100 to 1 odds. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt, which doesn't include the yellow team. So for your shot at winning $100, all it takes is a $1 bet and that team winning their next game. Ah, the caveat. Ah, I thought we had them. So there's no better way to put your college basketball downs to the test than to put your money where your mouth is. Blah, 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 blah. Then with DraftKings Sportsbook. Matt, take it away. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds, boosts of pro basketball, hockey, whoa, golf, and so much more. And, Mike, uh, they're now working with the WWE. That's right. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. When you sign up to turn $1 into $100, if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win, that's code THPN to turn $1 to $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WIT-IT. All right. Man, I'm jacked about this episode. You got some juicy notes in there. That's right. Uh, yeah. We either <laughs> we either spent 30 minutes talking about our four to one loss uh, to Florida, which I think we could get into for a little bit, uh, or we have some fun with some things uh, that social media world was just blown up with the last couple of days. Uh, I want to so do that. Let's get let's get the boring stuff out of the way, Mike. I, I do no. want to talk about the Red no. Wings. Red Wings and the Panthers. Uh, Mike, we here's the thing. We won. We won the five on five expected goals battle. So we always do. What is that? Our specialty. <laughs> what does that mean for us and us losing four to one? Well, it, we go back to not being able to finish, and of course, Calvin Pickard uh, being in net, and that 
first half of the first period was a nightmare. And it's not necessarily like if uh, I, I kind of have the list here. Uh, the defense was was totally on their heels uh, that first half of that first period. And, and Stahl, I put it this way, Mike, Stahl perfectly screws up a faceoff transition. So basically that first move out of the faceoff, just a complete blunder. Uh, it's Mike, I, I made the comment that Glenn Denning wins so many faceoffs. One of them was bound to, to end up being a goal against. Like that's just, it's like a shot on net. Like what? Eventually, the shot on net goes in. But for Glenn Denning, who probably gets more faceoff attempts than shots, eventually one of those <laughs> faceoffs is going to go against us. Um, I, great play on the second, but also it just looked like they were dancing around, you know, like cones in the middle of the ice. Uh, and uh, third is a tip in after a failure to clear the zone. Uh, Pickard makes a save. Yes. And we can't get the puck out. And the guy he actually made the initial save on gets a tip in. And it was like the reaction to that goal was such a, man, what the hell is going on with this Red, Wing, Red Wings team? And it was from the Florida Panthers side. Like it was like, oh, man, we did it. Uh, it was it was a mixed reaction. It was, I can't believe this went in. Wow, this is easy. All of those mixed reactions. So Pickard. Is not playing like he's he's not. How do I want to put this? Uh, he wasn't gonna Jordan Bennington the second half of the season for us, but uh, I, I still say going back and looking at those three goals, a lot of that is all of uh, him and his buddies just standing around having a good time, having a good chat out in front of the net. Um, yeah. you know what I'll say, Matt, is uh, I think Pickard, uh, no longer Captain Picard, we've had to retire that, we've gotten. A lot of flack uh, for a great Star Trek reference. Man, this was uh, a perfect storm for the Red Wings. Uh, yeah. Bobrovsky was in that. For some reason, he likes seeing uh, winged wheels, and he likes making sure they don't have any joy when they play hockey. Have you seen those stats for the last two years? He's uh, quite the wing killer, let me tell yeah. you. Um, and, you know, the Red Wings looked they looked excellent. They looked like a, like a real NHL team at home. This game uh, is in Florida, Matt. So, uh, you know, we knew what was going to happen there. I think we've got maybe, what, two wins on the road this year? Two uh, two wins. So this was not number three. Yeah, I mean, this this really was like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to call it a perfect storm, but just with the way Bobrovsky's been playing against us. Like, if, you, if you're not paying attention, you'll, you'll go ahead and start the game and you'll make fun of Bobrovsky because he signed that huge contract and he's been – Really, for the most part, a big bag of nothing. But if there's any, you know, uh, six games total to point to where the Florida Panthers are like, that's our boy. It's uh, all six games against us. <laughs> I just uh, the past three seasons, uh, his save percentages, uh, you know, the in Columbus, it was 913 his last year. And then Florida, it's been 900 and then 907 for this season, Matt, and, albeit in a smaller sample size. Just put it in perspective, uh, this past game is at 97 when the Red Wings peppered him with 36 shots and he just cackled in glee. Uh, it stopped 35 of them. So, you know, I think he's got a he's got a lot more Red Wing games on the schedule, I got to say. Yeah, like it's it's almost like uh, ridiculous if there was a Panthers game against the Wings. Uh, so it's it's almost like direction. we. It's almost like we got to set up our show when there's a road game. We got to come in with extra topics because we know it's a loss. We know it's going to be rough. Uh, we know our defensemen are going to justify some uh, 
maybe new defensive acquisitions. Huh? Matt, you got you got a juicy one for us here? Huh? Or is oh. there some, I know there's something else you want to do first. Let's do the other thing first. Uh, I will say, I unfortunately don't have any new defensive acquisitions, but uh, yeah, Mike, uh, hot, hot debate today on, on Twitter was, um, I, I think based on the guy's uh, Twitter account, so it, it, he doesn't need to get any more famous, and also I can't remember his name, <laughs> threw out there just casually last night. Uh, that was a really good clapback, by the way, but go ahead. <laughs> Not every NHL player needs to be a 200-foot player. Now, I think when I first thought about this, and he labeled it as a hot take. Can I? Wait, let me do I, this. I'm yeah, coming in ice cold. You you already have the context, and you're part of the debate. I'm coming in ice cold, cold turkey. Not every player needs to be a 200-foot player. Matt, as somebody who watches a lot, we'll say too much NBA basketball, I think this is a very fair statement um, across different sports. This to me says, you know, is he a guy, is he, you know, can he hold his own on the defensive end? Is he somebody we can count on when we need a goal, uh, you know, at, at center ice to kind of transition, you know, from uh, being on your heels to being on the attack? Can you forecheck? All that stuff, I totally understand the value and merit of. But I watch a sport <laughs> where... <laughs> We have so many specialists. They're they're literally you like general managers will go into a draft to look for a guy who's three and D. All we need you to do, play some defense and then stand in the corner and hit three pointers. I don't need you to dunk. I don't need you to handle. I don't need you to pass. Play defense and then go stand over there and just hit a wide open shot. That's all we're asking of you. So I gotta say, man, I, I don't know. I understand again, I understand the merit. And you can go ahead and attack my viewpoint after this. But the Red Wings, we love Robbie Fabry. And I know he's never gonna be, you know, a Selkie winner. He's never gonna be Datsu, but I, you know, I don't mind having a guy like that on my second or third line who, you know, his whole life is, you know, making plays, uh, you know, getting getting the puck where we need it and getting some points. So I'm going to say no to this, Matt. I'm fine with some, you know, defensive defensemen on the team. I'm fine with some offensive stars who, you know, aren't aren't as skilled on that other side. I'm going to say no. I don't think it's necessary. I think specialists are okay. Hit me. So here's here was my issue with this. Um, and this is why I wanted to bring it up. Because I I almost look at it as like, well, yeah, of course. All right, and th- this is where I'm starting. Right? Uh, <laughs> like to me, there are guys like when you put it as a specialist, there, there's just the certain things that they do right. And if you take a look at the Red Wings roster, if we wanted to find like the 200 foot player, if we have a guy that is, I, I, I just want to say, if if you just wanted to look at it, and and I don't know if I want to say like a bell curve because it's not like he's really good and. <laughs> at center ice and he's pretty okay on the I mean everything is just it's a flat line right he's yeah got he's gonna be able to perform on the defensive side and he brings the same amount on the offensive side there may be not be there might not be the finish there and the the boy I'm talking about is uh Vladdy Domestikov so that guy when we picked him up and this is like our most viewed video on YouTube I took a deep dive in his uh analytics so you guys can go take a look but this guy really is the definition of, of a 200 foot player based on 
everything he does in regards to bringing like hits per 60. I know we're talking about Nemistikov and we're still throwing in the hits per 60. Um, I mean, this is a guy too, that plays different positions. So you can, you can even count on him to play center. And I know like right now, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is get everyone who's listening to think about, are we defining a 200 foot player accurately? Because there's also the idea of if you can improve your, your, the forward player that is primarily a goal scorer, if you can get him to learn to not just throw pucks into the center of the ice or the middle of the ice to, to prevent bad turnovers. I, I just like, it, it's so weird. Like, I, I think we just need to think about how this, this idea first surfaced and are, are we even asking the right question? Because I don't think a coach goes into their locker room and expects to see, I mean, I mean 18 guys that are going to work 200 feet. I mean, we know, we see the differences in, in ice time. So we know, we know that coaches are fully aware of what's going on. Um, but I, I just think it was like a misinterpretation of when we asked Connor McDavid to play better defensively. Right. And, and this year he is. So this year he's like playing better defensively. He's still fantastic offensively. And you know, like a, for sure, Hart trophy for sure in the top two right now. So I, I guess I just like I saw it, but I don't know if it's actually the more I thought about it. Is that a realistic issue or or are we just like upset I, when our favorite player who's primarily offense gets asked to be better defensively? I like I don't need Robbie Fabry to be our best defensive forward. But last year when he was statistically going to give up more goals than he was actually going to bring to the ice, you have to ask the question for any player. Forget Robbie Fabry. For any player, you have to ask the question, are they bringing enough offense or, shoot, are they stopping enough pucks? Like a like a Luke Glendening, who we are not – we don't look to to bring offense. So is he preventing enough uh, from the other team to merit his ice time? And it's, it's so much more complicated than that. But I, I felt like that's where the conversation should be. And we went in this completely different direction that I don't even know if it's like, like the way you put it and you were talking, you were comparing it to the other sports. I, I just like, it just feels so outside of the realm of what reality is. And I, I just, I don't know, I guess I got upset the more I thought about it all day today. Cause the first thing I thought was, yeah, what's with all these coaches, you know, torts. He's got to learn a thing or two about Patrick Laine and what his specialty is. But then, like, does Patrick Laine really need to, like, sit and practice and, like, continue to just shoot the puck at the net? I, I don't know. Like, there's also a strategy that a coach has, and he wants every player to fit into that strategy. I don't, I don't know if you change your coaching style based on having a different player. I, I just... All of this came flooding in like maybe three hours after the, the debate started. And I, I just I, I, I wanted everybody to kind of look at it from a, a, like a perspective from from that realm. And it's always it's always me. It's always me taking these black and white ideas that every everybody comes in with the yes, clear yes, clear no. And it's like, well, no, everything's gray. It's, it's always been gray. There isn't the 200 foot player. But like uh, Mike, we just talked with Scott Wheeler. A week ago, he came out with his uh, the William Wallander article that he talked about in our interview. And uh, everybody, it it's it's worth right now. I think you can subscribe for a dollar to the Athletic. It is worth just to read that. Like this is 
the, one of the longest articles I've seen on a single prospect. It is so like in depth, fantastic insight. But when you look at William Wallander, he's great on the offensive side. And then when you watch him, he's playing games right now. Um, some of the issues that Scott Wheeler brought up were, were the pucks that were just, he, he kind of gets all worked up on, on the defensive side. Uh, he gets a little anxious. You could even say when you watch him play, because he's moving his feet a little bit more. He's, he's second guessing himself. He starts going in one direction and changes his mind and maybe even makes the right decision uh, on the second thought, but he's already out of position at that point. So don't you want that guy? Don't you want Wallander to like continue to grow and not just go, well, he's doing really well offensively. So yeah. we're good. So like, I would say that in a bubble, if the yeah. question's just posed, would you rather have a one-dimensional player or a three-dimensional player? Obviously, you'd rather have a three-dimensional player. But I think if you're taking this, putting yourself in the shoes of a, a general manager and you're trying to decide, well, should I sign a series of players for my third and fourth line that are all like a C- minus at all the skills that that make you a National Hockey League player? Or do I roll the dice and get a guy with, you know, what we'll call a flaw and maybe he's a better goal scorer. So he's like a B plus, you know, in one area, maybe he really is an F at defense, but maybe playing on the third or fourth line, I can kind of stagger his minutes and not, you know, maybe set him up with somebody who can kind of offset his, you know, defensive liabilities. Um, As somebody who's played a lot of uh, GM mode uh, through a lot of video games, Matt, I'm definitely going to lean toward a guy who can give me a few B pluses. Yeah. And, you know, maybe not all goal goal scorers, like I said, maybe a guy who's a B plus at defense can be with a guy who's a B plus at offense and they can offset each other's, you know, weaknesses on offense and defense respectively. Um, I would much rather go that route than, you know, just, I guess, uh, kind of what was the, the, the Steve Martin movie was a parenthood where you're just going around the carousel, a bunch of C's, you know, C minuses. I'd rather have the roller coaster to kind of, and then, you know, you try to have like a roller coaster offset each other, kind of like a helix effect. Um, I I think that's not just a more uh, compelling watch. Um, I I just, I think uh, the other thing too is when, uh, when you're looking at a guy who's, you know, uh, kind of sees across the board, that's an effort player, right? That's a guy who is going to, you know, grind and try and, you know, get pucks caroming off his head. And, you know, he's going to bust his buns on defense. Um, and then there's people who are just naturally talented at some things and maybe they don't quite prioritize the other areas of the game. So, yes, three-dimensional player, absolutely, across the board. That's the ideal situation. But me, as a GM... I'm going to take a guy who's maybe harnessed and honed one particular skill and then try to find a way to accentuate his strengths and offset his weaknesses with other players who can handle that. So, yeah, I, I, the the last, your last point, like to me is kind of where my head's at right now. Like it, of course, like we can try and improve guys. I think, I think it comes back to like, like, what what is like an MVP, and it all it all starts like when we start uh, discussing who the best players in the league are, and do we just pick the guy who has the most points? Do we pick a guy who, when he's gone, the team is just you know has no idea how to pass the puck, but when he's on the ice, the team knows everything, even if he's yeah. not leading the league in points. 
Um, and I think that's where all these conversations stem from, because we always end up asking these players who are already at the top of the league uh, to do more. Right. So that's where that's where I kind of thought it, where I, I think if, if you're watching uh, something on, uh, I don't want to say ESPN because they're not ready to talk hockey yet. But, uh, you know, if it's Sportsnet or TSN and they're, they're talking about an MVP of the league caliber player that needs to start playing a little bit more defense or they, they see some aspects of the game that can be improved. I, I just don't see that as asking them to be a 200 foot player. I just see that as like, let's let's mature a little bit. You know, use some of that experience to say, I'm not going to do this next time. And that might be the difference between more time watching video. I I don't know. I don't know what the hell the regiment is from one side. I don't even know what the media guy's talking about when he says that. Maybe he does mean he wants every player in the league to be a 200-foot player. But what I know is that I don't need every player in the league to be a 200-foot player. But if I'm coaching my team and I see that there is a guy that is making mistakes I can fix, I'm I'm going to try and fix them. And and I, I guess that's where, that's where I fall off on this. Um, but Mike, uh, you ready to move on? Because uh, we've got some fun stuff to talk to. We've got some trade rumors, and um, kind of wanted to talk about our salary cap situation too. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I love this time of year. Uh, it definitely feels like Matt. For once, it's not just a dump of guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents. Um, it's at least based on the rumors that are starting to trickle in. It smells like. Iserman, not just in the offseason, but at the trade deadline, is once again going to weaponize that cap space. He's ready to snag the unloved money-making forwards and defensemen on your team that have been toiling away, gobbling up that precious space. And Steve's like, I'll take it right off your hands. Oh, and I'll take a draft pick, too. Mm, Sounds good. He is at the Gaucho Steakhouse Buffet, Matt. He can't wait for this season. I can't, Matt, I'm, I'm like giddy. I'm giddy to see who he swindles. Uh, what is it, April 10th, April 16th, that trade deadline? Oh, it's going to be great. Well, yeah, then we get. We should definitely jump into one of these trades here. That uh, trade, trades is here, trade here, trades. Oh, my God, I can't talk. Uh, that, that deals with us taking over some cap and weaponizing our own space. Uh, but uh, that, that would be, Mike, uh, what I found online. Uh, Bobby Ryan and a third, so our third rounder, going over to Tampa. Uh, so Tampa could still get some draft picks. They're just not going to be any first rounders. Say, before you say the, the reveal, this is, I think, the sexiest trade I've I've heard. And it's it's so fantastical. I can't believe it was even pitched. Uh, but Matt, you're going to give me the justification for it in just a moment. Um, where was I? Yeah, I started looking up the other trade. Uh, Tyler Johnson in a first coming over. Now, Tampa Bay has already tried to uh, let the rest of the league just pick up Tyler Johnson. They put him on waivers and everybody said no. So it's basically what is the price I need to pay to unload this $5 million that Tyler Johnson's getting paid right now? and the it's it's funny because it, it's not just the price they're paying to bring them over, but you know we're we're giving a little back a little bit back too, and a hell hell of an opportunity for Bobby Ryan. But just to repeat one more time, Bobby Ryan in a third uh, for Tyler Johnson in a first, and I Mike I've I, just like you I think I'm smitten with this. Uh, if this 
came to fruition. This is amazing for Bobby Ryan. I can't say that enough because we we talked earlier in the season, like Bobby was told by Steve Eiserman, you know, or like he he trusts Steve Eiserman's message. And I I asked the question, like, is this what he meant? Is this the kind of trust that he's you know, like he was referring to? Because he's like, eventually, I'm going to send you on over to Tampa. And then for Tampa, you get space. You can bring Cooch back early if you want, uh, because you're going to be making more space. And I'm, I'm assuming that uh, I think they do need to make more space than just the five of Tyler. But there, there's time to do that. And this is one of the contracts that I think has been holding them back. And uh, it, it's just... It's it's the proposition or the, or the issue I guess I should say of of just is that player at that the same worth when he signed the contract and I think it's it's pretty clear uh, at least from Tampa's perspective since they've put him on waivers uh, a couple of times that uh, they they don't think so anymore. Mike, for you, it sounds like you're you're really into just bringing Tyler Johnson over, which you know with all of our cap spaces we've already discussed. I mean, this is something we can absolutely uh, afford to do. And when you talk about weaponizing the cap, uh, I I brought it up last time, but I, I think of the trades like we did with Mark Stahl, where I was not too geeked out about it. Like it was going to happen, um, but we're not really getting a lot of talent back. Now the main issue here, Mike. Yeah, um, unlike Mark Stahl, this lasts for another three years after this one. Yeah, it's it's a it's quite the commitment. Um, and you know if if uh, if you think that Tyler Johnson, you're still going to rely on him for potential. Uh, the dude is 30 years old. Um, <laughs> he is going to gobble up a pretty healthy, robust chunk of your cap space. But man, if if Tampa thinks, you know, we don't, we have this championship window. Part of that championship window involves Kucherov. Kucherov's ready to come back. We have to make a move. We might as well do it with our best friend in the world, Steve Eiserman, who, you know, basically, uh, you know, assembled uh, this, this team um, <laughs> who won a cup last year. Um, if, if we're really going to say that Tyler Johnson, Matt, his numbers have kind of cratered. Uh, I, I don't think they're at where you would want, you know, from, from Tampa Bay's perspective for a guy you're paying five mil. Um, you know, recently he's not been doing too great this season, uh, you know, a little bit less than a, you know, a point every other game. Not, you know, not the, not the best numbers of all time. For less, sure. uh, less than a, a half a point. Is that, Oh, I meant to say that. Yeah. Less yeah. than a half a point. Um, He's almost but, uh, at the same production level as, as Bobby Ryan right now. It's just, uh, I, I think, I don't know. I'm going to say it. it. It's a bit of an upgrade because you get a center instead of a winger. A wing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where maybe, uh, you know, a little change of scenery um, will kind of help him out. Um, I don't know. We, we know he had pretty good numbers with Steve. Um, you know, there's nothing to be upset about. I, I don't think Steve would mind, uh, especially if we're throwing in an extra draft pick, an upgrade uh, from a third to a first. Um, I, I think that's where the real value is going to be. And I, I would be stunned if this trade went through because a first round pick to take on a guy like that. Um, I mean, he's still got the speed. He's still got value. I know, I know he's flawed. I know his numbers haven't been dazzling, but man, Taking a first round pick for that contract, this is a different story than Mark Stahl at the end. You know, long in the tooth, Mark Stahl. Um, well, we're going to get him to that point. That my, <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to say part of my my worry is that his 
contract. All right, you know what? No, it won't. Never mind. Uh, you know what? Let's say this. We know three years from now, that'll be when we start thinking about uh, Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider's next contract. Let, so, me throw this, let me throw this at you, Matt. It's yeah. one of my favorite things is when they say, um, Hit me, bro. Who, who says no? So that first round pick is really sexy. We know Eiserman loves draft picks. It is going to be a very high but first round pick. It's going to be a very early second round pick, though. Right. You know, so I, I, anyway. Let me throw it. I, no. I just want to say, <laughs> I, I don't, I think I'd want, I'd either want to keep that third or I need, I need something else from Tampa. Uh, I, I just, like, if we could take on like six mil for Mark Stahl, four years of a $5 million contract should be worth more than just a first round pick. Cause basically that's, what's going on, right? We're, we're looking at production right now and they're neck and neck. So uh, the only we're taking on more money. We're, we're doing a favor for Tampa Bay. We're doing a long-term commitment. Right. Right. We are also saying no to future um, cap weapon moves because we're going to have to pay Tyler for, you know, pretty long time. So I guess the last question, Matt, is this phone call somehow it's a it's a three way call. All right. Neither the Lightning nor the Red Wings made this call. Somebody pitched it. They're both on the phone. Matt, who would say no first? I think Steve's Steve's going to say no because for this exact trade, I think they're yeah. That, that's I just got to put it like that because uh, now we're at we're at the half hour I uh, promised my wife uh, that we'd we'd hit for today. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Steve would say no because that's a big chunk of cap to take for four years. I four think, years of it. I think the only reason he says no is he doesn't want to give up a draft pick. But I think if you're taking a first-round pick and Tyler Johnson, I think he does it for Bobby. And, and we do have we have some other trades we wanted to talk about too. But I mean, part of the reason that we're we're talking about Tyler Johnson is because of our cap situation for next year, um, in the next couple of years. Uh, and we all know it's it's just this this kitchen's going to be bare again, and Iceman's going to have to to ice a team. Uh, but one of the things that happened this week uh, was Shane Gostisbehere gets put on waivers. Maybe about 75% of Red Wings social media said absolutely not. And then there was the chunk of us that were like, what's the big, what's the big effing deal? Now, my, my uh, issues with this, and this is where we're going to have to go a little bit quicker than I wanted to, but we have $45 million in cap space next season. Like, we have space to take these risks. If any team has space to take these risks, it's the Detroit Red Wings. It's also only going to be for two more seasons after this. So it, it's not anything where we're, we're done. But if you want to come at me and tell me that the talent's just not there. I watch every single Philadelphia Flyers game. I know that, oh, here goes Mike. I know that he's terrible. He's he's not he's not worth this risk. No, no matter what we do, we're just doing a favor for Philly because he's going to amount to nothing. Totally get that. Uh, and then the other side of this is if you want to talk about how much cap space we have, and you want to make the argument that you really hope the Illich family uh, continues to hold on to uh, you know all their money. You you want to make sure that they're not losing anything, um, which I think really does figure into uh, the decisions to hold back on spending the cap. Cause I, I think we all thought there'd be more moves to weaponize the cap space over the last uh, few months. 
And we've seen very little of that, including just going into the season. I shouldn't just say the last few months, but I think we all expected more trades, more, more trades that were going to increase how many draft picks we had, maybe just another guy to throw on the roster for us to help out somebody else's cap situation. And none of that's happened. So that tells me a lot of this decision-making is strictly for the business of Olympia Entertainment and Illich Holdings. That's why we're not doing a lot of cap weaponizing. I don't think it has a lot to do with like us trying to be conservative from like a risk perspective. And uh, I mean, the money's there. Like they own, they own the Red Wings. So they, there's money to spend. Um, but the, the quick example here, uh, Mike, I think if we signed everybody and uh, from a high point, uh, a high perspective, like a high number, this is from evolving wild is their, their cat projections for next year. For, yeah. for all of our uh, free agents. And I, I think we saw with what Tyler Bertuzzi got paid this year after arbitration, that all of these are pretty inflated coming from Evolving Wild. So if we sign Heronic, Tyler Bertuzzi, Michael Rasmussen, Evgeny Svechnikov, Giovanni Smith, and John Merrill, of that $45 million of space that Cat Friendly says we have for next season, that's going to take up $15 million. We bring in more insider Jonathan Bergeron and Lucas Raymond. Now we're up to 18 million. Mike, just for just for shits and giggles, I said, all right, fine, we'll bring back Mark Stahl too. That brings us only up another 1.5 million. Mike, if if everybody was so concerned about making sure that we have a ton of cap space, which I still say hasn't been weaponized properly because they're more concerned about like COVID and whatnot and, and the uh, bringing more revenue in and waiting for that. Um, if that's all gone and we're ready to spend in free agency, we could afford to overpay Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Nugent Hopkins close to nine mil a season each for those guys. And Mike, we're still going to have six and a half million dollars left over to spend. That's if we land two of the hottest free agents for this upcoming free agency, which I don't think is going to happen. And put that out there. So all, all this wrapped together. I challenge everyone just to kind of have this thought. Are we really still going to be worried about the dead cap era, which is a thing that would stop anybody from making, you know, from, from using any of the cap there, you know, the cap's not going to move. We still want to weaponize. Is that still going to be a thing with ESPN signing the huge deal with the NHL? Plus Mike, we've got Columbia university, uh, public health informatics, uh, computational and oper- operations research from PHICOR, Bruce Lee, fun, Sarah Barsh, Kelly O'Shea, Patrick Wedlock, and Marie Ferguson, all both of those groups saying that we'll have herd immunity by the end of May. Hmm. So are we really sure that the dead cap era is going to be going on for too much longer? I don't think so. No, so, this I, I think we're finally the anomaly is finally over, or at least we're rounding uh, rounding we're third closer. and coming home. Right. We're getting closer. I it's just funny that uh, Goss despair is that right? Mm-hmm. I just you know what's funny is though even though he's on waivers and it's right there and it's a shorter term commitment. I mean it's basically you know the rest of the season and then two more years easily you know palatable uh, for us to swallow that that contract. I still think that Steve would rather do the Tyler Johnson deal, not just with the familiarity, uh, you know, from working with Tyler, but that draft pick. I, I don't know if he wants to weaponize the cap, you know, and snag a guy like this who's 
yeah, maybe not producing as much as uh, you know would would be desired by by uh, Philly. I still think if he's going to make a move, he's going to include a draft pick. I, I don't think he's going to move in on this one because there's no draft pick involved. Right, and I, I think everyone would agree we'd rather have somebody come in uh, for that. You know, if we're going to bring somebody in, there has to be more than just the reason of picking a guy up. For Gostas Barrett, there's at least the association that he was. He, he was very productive at a point in his career. Can he get back to that? My biggest point is that for this to be an absolute no, and if Steve makes this move, he's an idiot, I'm not there. I, I'm here I'm here for having the conversation that you want to make sure that the Illich family doesn't spend money so they continue to be rich. You can make that argument. Uh, <laughs> but you can't make the argument that we are going to ruin our cap situation if we pick this guy up. We have so much space. Uh, it's just, to me, it's it's ludicrous. Um, but we do have to wrap up. Uh, so everybody, check out uh, bodpodcast.com or brothersofdiscussion.com. Click on the bottom of the page for Red Wings Rant. We also have our shop down at the bottom of the page if you want to represent uh, for your favorite hockey podcast that, uh, you know, takes, takes the side of... Uh, spend the Illich family money willy-nilly. Uh, I'm all for it. Uh, so, <laughs> that's my take. Uh, I think that's the biggest issue I have, and we'll get back to that on uh, other episodes later on. But um, uh, at Beauty Hockey uh, for Twitter, at Brothers underscore of underscore discussion for Instagram, and please head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review uh, if you guys do have the time. And we are on YouTube as well as the Brothers of Discussion, so you can subscribe to the channel if you're watching us now for the very first time. Head on over, uh, let's see, where am I? Head on over underneath Mike. Uh, so if Mike points down, you'll see the subscribe button underneath him. Uh, there you go. Uh, click that button and uh, follow along. All right. Thanks, everybody. We're coming. That's the wrestling show ending.